Feel like the everyday chaos is getting to be too much? Head on over to winninggym.com slash BAP and we can help you there. Join our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator program for quick wins for your gym. Check it out. You deserve it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Built to Grow podcast, delivering the knowledge in all things fitness business. We help gym owners win. Here are your hosts, Tim Lyons and Randy Exton. All right. Welcome back to the Built to Grow podcast. I'm your host, Tim Lyons, in the studio with the sun beaming in my right eyeball, joined by Randy Yankson. What's up, buddy? Good morning. Good morning. Good and talk. So we're, we have a podcast studio and, uh, the, you know, the window's blacked out except for the upper two feet. And it's like this perfect time of year. It just shines right in my eyeball. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, by the way, we have a YouTube channel. There you go. Yeah. I feel like we're getting more subscribers over there. We are definitely. Oh, yeah. That's we'll a, allow it. Go, go, uh, go! Subscribe. They like our faces, apparently, uh, not just the voices. I, I highly the doubt voices. that. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Uh, episode four seven nine. As we're creeping up on episode five hundred, we are thinking about some stuff. We're thinking about what what could we do. I think you know. Just throwing this out there. Love to hear from you guys on this. Um, we do a call in show. We yeah. just do uh, just like a like a two hour long five uh, hundredth episode celebration. And we have maybe people live on the Zoom and or leave your questions ahead of time. We're thinking this through, but uh, what do we have? About uh, 21 episodes left to figure that out? Yeah, a couple weeks. A couple weeks. That isn't that's yeah, crazy. That'll, that'll happen quick. So uh, thank you guys for thank the support. You, yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. if you wouldn't mind, drop a review. That always helps us get seen. And, um, you know, I we would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Helps us help more. Yep. 10-4. So we got a good episode today, guys. If we're talking about price pricing but price raises pricing strategy price psychology um i'm gonna start with a couple stories yeah a couple stories um you know the fact that price is related to value has been proven about 500 million times okay and there's there's a couple of uh things that kind of come to mind and there was a uh, a Payless shoe store which was one of these it was just really funny so everybody knows Payless shoes is kind of discount shoe store and uh, they did a test, mm-hmm. and what they did was they changed the name of it was like Pelasi or something. I, I'd have <laughs> to look that up, but uh, they they changed the name of the Payless shoe store, made it like this this uh, pseudo uh, you know high end high fashion Italian shoe brand, right? And that was that was, uh, and they invited a bunch of influencers and uh, social media and fashion industry uh, superstars, and it was it's so funny because they were interviewing the people holding the shoe and they're like oh this is a 350 dollars shoe look at you can just tell the quality you can yep. just tell and meanwhile the shoe was 19.99 yeah right and the pricing was like what 10 20 times oh yeah the normal i don't cost. think there was anything under like 500 bucks you know yeah or whatever yeah. right and and they did this whole like grand opening of the pelasi store <laughs> yeah. and uh and uh, they just were interviewing people and they were just loving the shoe and they loved the way it fits and I loved the way the stitching is and I loved the, it was like, <laughs> it was very, very telling, right? Oh, yes. And they dropped the bomb on everybody at the end and nobody could believe that this was Payless Shoes rebranded into Pelasi. Mm-hmm. And people were willing and able to spend 20, 30 times more for the same exact shoe 
because of one, the pricing, and obviously it was a, a, a brand, the branding. Right? That's, that's, I mean, that's the epitome of perceived value. You know what I mean? As opposed to true cost and value. Yeah. I mean, that the perception simply because of what they created around it. It's wild. Yeah. And it was to the point where, like, some of those people were pissed. Some of those, uh, what are they, um, like, uh, designers or, you know, like, the, the they critique stuff. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they, they thought that their reputations were blown and burned because they were the ones saying how great these things were. And then all of a sudden it was like, a, you know, they got caught. It was amazing. And, and so, and so, so that, that's one story. Another, another story was they were doing a blind taste testing. I think it was in a grocery store and uh, two, two identical wines were next to each other. It had two totally different pricing. I mean, I'm just gonna throw a price on one was like, you know, $200 a bottle. One was like $18.99 a bottle, whatever. They were identical. Mm -hmm. They were the same. And every single person said the more expensive wine tasted better. It was the same wine. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Right. Um, perceived value. They see the price. The price is equates to quality mm -hmm. in their eyes. And I'm no, I'm not immune to this either, by the way. Yeah. I, I will buy. Yep. Typically, the quality is better. Typically. Like, for example, I remember, I mean, even 10 years ago with jeans went, went through the roof. Mm -hmm. Remember? You you were you were buying jeans for like forty nine dollars one day, and then the next day everything was three hundred bucks for a pair of jeans. <laughs> and you know there was this designer denim and all this stuff. Now, granted, I would justify paying two or three hundred dollars for a pair of jeans because they would last way longer. Not 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 that there's I wanted to wear them the same amount as I wanted to wear the forty nine pair. Just yeah. for example, but the quality was better in my eyes. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I would I would search out specific brands to go buy because they fit better, they lasted longer, and you know, probably at the end of the day, they were probably as cheaply made as the first pair of jeans. Probably. Right? I mean, I did the same thing with headphones for you know, I still do the same thing with headphones, and I justify it by the amount of time, you know, that They're I on use your it. Head, yeah. yeah. I mean, like between phone calls and gym time, you know, what I mean, we use them. I could, there's times where it's like six, seven hours a day sometimes, you know? So right. I could justify three, $400 pair of headphones for the same thing. And to their point, the quality, they also came with warranties and um, the manufacturers would back them. So if I did have a problem, mm -hmm. it wasn't, oh, it was 40 bucks, throw it away, grab another. The, you know, I'd take it back and I'd get a, f a full replacement or an exchange for, you know, equal value. And so for me, that was huge, right? Mm -hmm. I did, it took care of the problem too. If I did experience something, the value that they brought to the table justified that as well. And so a lot of times price equals value. A lot of times price equals status. So somebody yeah. might buy something more expensive to make the, so they may raise their status level, maybe in the Clout. community and stuff. And I had the same example. Uh, we used it on this show uh, where the, the influencer might drive a Lamborghini, yep. right? Or a Ferrari. Uh, and it brings his status up, but the same exact vehicle to maybe a Midwestern uh, housewife or somebody that's dropping their kids off at school, driving up to school in a Ferrari or Lamborghini <laughs> would actually lower yeah. their status, Yeah. right? And so just because they're the equal thing, it doesn't raise everybody's status equally. So it may lower somebody's status. So it's, it's very interesting. Hey guys, as you know, at Built to Grow, we're all about systems and scalability. And that's why I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Semi-Private Pro. Several years ago, I was in our gym looking around and I noticed our coaches were staring at their clipboards, struggling to stay one step ahead of the clients. And I thought, gosh, there has to be a better way. 
So I tasked Zach, our fitness director, and I said, dude, we got to find a software that would enhance our clients' training experience and increase our coaches' levels of engagement. See, we're all about client experience here. After countless demos, we realized there was literally nothing designed for our training model. So we set on a mission and I said, look, we got to create an app that is designed specifically for semi-private training. And I can tell you guys this firsthand, this is taking our training to new heights and I'm confident it can do the same thing for you. See, with Semi-Private Pro, you can streamline your training system, enhance client engagement and scale like never before without spending hours on programming. To learn more about how you can get started with Semi-Private Pro, head on over to special link here, semiprivatepro.com slash BTG, that's built to grow. So just head on over real quick to semiprivatepro.com slash BTG to check out a demo for yourself. So kind of taking this back into the pricing at your gym, uh, most gym owners or trainers or people selling training chronically undervalue your pricing. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. And one of those reasons is, hey, the person actually selling the, the, the training sometimes and more often than not couldn't even afford to buy the personal training from the self at the price because they don't have that kind of money. Yep. But then that could be equally said for anybody selling a Rolex or a Lamborghini or even a, even a diesel truck today, yeah. 120,000. <laughs> yep. So like it, it should, you know, there's a psychology there around, Hey, you know what? Um, I think personal training is pretty easy because I train every day. Therefore, I don't think it's that valuable because I can just go out there and train myself for free. Um, so it's very difficult for me to sell this training to Mrs. Johnson because I don't see the value in it because it's just natural to me. Sure. And I think that's where it has to start, right? Like we have to think about not just the transaction that's taking place. It's the, the solution we're providing. That's very true. And you see this meme a lot. This one. You're not paying me for the 10 minutes to fix your toilet. You're paying me for the 10 years it took me to figure out how to fix it in 10 in minutes. 10 minutes, exactly. And so th this happens a lot of times with the trainer, but the plumbers even, sure. or, or oh, electrician. Yeah. yeah, I can go fix that. Or it happened to us a lot of times with funnels. Sure. <laughs> yep. Dude, yeah, I know exactly how to fix it. Let me just go do it for you for free and fix it because it took, takes me 10 minutes. But think about all education and the money invested to figure out how to fix that in 10 minutes. That was me yesterday with two of our clients. Right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, happy to do it, obviously, for they are our clients. But same thing, rather than mm -hmm. struggle to go teach them, it was something that was so in my wheelhouse. I was like, let me just go fix it for you. I'll show you how I did it. But yep. it's easier for me to fix it than it is for me to explain it. And you have to go figure it out. So again, the psychology yeah. around this, you need to know all of this stuff when you're trying to sell, you know, trying to put somebody in a position to sell personal training, fitness programs to the end consumer. You can't let that psychology come into play. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to your pricing as a gym owner, you need to look at your margins. At the end of the day, uh, you, you, you got to have money left over to pay the bills, right? Not only do you have to pay, you know, in a lot of CPAs put cost of goods sold up on the top versus down. Like, so there's different ways to account for personal training. If you think about cost of goods sold and you're looking at say, maybe a construction project, for example, you know, the, the cost to perform said project is cost of goods sold within that project, right? So a lot of accountants will put the labor that it takes to service training up in the cost of goods sold section, where down in, in, in payroll is 
admins and officers. Again, it, it's irrelevant because at the end of the day, it comes down to net profit, sure. right? So at the end of the day, you should look at what you're paying for that hour of training to, you know, to your staff, what you're collecting as a total, let's just say you're training large group, maybe you're training one-on-one, maybe you're training semi-private. How many clients are in there on average? What are they all paying? Total that up. And you should be, you should have 75% margin on the cost of goods sold for that hour. That deliverable mm -hmm. service. And a lot of times at a very minimum, if anybody's doing one-on-one -on -one training in their gyms right now, most likely it's 50-50 or even 60-40 towards the coach. Towards the coach, sure. How are you going to stay in business when you only have 40%? I guess that would be gross profit at the top to carry down into mortgage, rent, marketing, officer payroll, admin payroll, uh, professional services, utilities, utilities internet, sure. software, all these things. Uh, so, you know, kind of our rule of thumb is about 25% allocated towards labor cost at, you know, the cost of goods sold level. Does that make sense? Yep. And so if you look at your numbers and you're like, whoa, man, I'm, I'm 50%. You got two options. Mm -hmm. Pay your coaches less or charge more. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Or change your model. If you're doing a one-on-one, -on -one, it's very hard to be at 25%. Absolutely. Because let's just say you're doing 80 bucks an hour and let's 20% is 16 bucks. What are you going to pay your one-on-one -on -one coach for 1850? Because they can go train and make a hundred bucks an hour yeah, or 70 or 60 or 50 or 40. It's all benefit for and, them. And, and let's just say, <clears throat> let's just say they're willing to leave your gym that you're paying them 1850 for that one-on-one -on -one session because you're trying to keep that margin in line. And they go take all your clients and say, Hey, you're paying him 80. I'll, I'll charge you 40. They're making almost two and a half times what they were making with you. Tough spot. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Another knock on one-on-one -on -one training. That's why we kind of, we, we just put our flag in the ground semi-private. There's win for the coach, win for the client, win for the gym. Yep. It's the sweet spot. Exactly. Yeah. There's another good story about that. Um, Joshua Bell was a violinist, and he went to the, uh, I think it was a uh, subway in Brooklyn or something like that. I think it was New York. And he played, he essentially played for free, right? Opened up a case. He was playing a Stradivarius from 1713. Crazy. It, one, one ticket to his show can easily be three grand. And yeah. yet he was playing for free in the subway and everybody would just pass by. Yeah. Nobody gave him the time of day. Nobody had any idea that he was world renowned, you know, musician because it was perception. They assumed that this is just another guy in the subway trying to make a buck. And uh, right. you know, the environment dictates a lot of that. Right. So some of that's client experience, right. In order to charge, you have to be able to provide that mm -hmm. experience as well. I might argue. In that particular situation, mm -hmm. the clientele that would go to a show probably aren't taking the subway. I mean, in New maybe, York, maybe. you'd be surprised. You maybe, know what I mean? Maybe right? in New so. York, right. Yeah, I, I guess I've never lived in New York, so maybe maybe that would be, yeah. But maybe, in general, they, they wouldn't appreciate mm -hmm. high-quality violinist music. Mm -hmm. um, I would. I don't know if I would... Say, recognize you know who it was or something or like that, but you know he's good you can tell <laughs> yeah i've said i've gone on like you know in new orleans for example uh i was in new orleans i would i went to college in, in uh, louisiana and i would go down to new orleans a lot and there were some amazing musicians just playing on the corner yeah 
I was sitting jam with a man. That was awesome. Was, you know, sipping your big old, uh, you know, what is that? Thing? Yard. The grenade. You're drinking a yard. The, the hurricanes. The <laughs> yeah. hurricane. Down in Nylons. Great <laughs> city. Times. God, man, what a crazy town. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I'll go jam with him. But, I, but yes, to that point, I remember seeing that. It was all day. The guy was yeah. doing all day. Hours, yeah. It was like a time lapse type of thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I mean, you can look it up. I mean, it's a obviously a big uh, report about, around it now. And I, I don't remember like how much he collected throughout the day, but it was. I don't even think it was worth one ticket to a, a yeah. show. You know what I mean? And thousands <laughs> of people came and went, and yet he didn't he didn't earn one entry to a normal one of his yeah, shows. Yeah, it's wild. You know, so so let's talk about a little bit of the psychology around gym owners not wanting or able to charge more sure. for the service. So I hear this a lot. You hear it all the time. My clients won't pay that. My clients won't. Or the other thing I hear a lot is we're the we're the top of the market already. We can't raise it more. Um, and I would argue. I would I would tell you I would tell you this. This is kind of my rule of thumb. If you're not getting price objections at the sales table and it's never coming up or it's coming up one in 10 or two in 10, it's time to test. Yeah. Test the next person, raise your rate. Don't, don't globally do it, but just like try it. Sure. If you don't get hesitation, do it again, do it again. Yeah. Continue to do it until you get to a place where it's hard stop. You just can't close any deals. And then if you're you're running into that, step it back. Sure, it's very similar to like, and I nobody I know nobody will relate to this, but like ad uh, ad spend increase, you you keep increasing it in smaller increments until it stops working. Diminishing and then you, return. Then yeah. you back it back down. Yeah. So like on Facebook ads, that was like our scaling principle was you would go up twenty percent every forty eight to seventy two hours, watch it for another forty eight to seventy two hours, raise it, and then watch it. And if it stopped performing, you back it down to the last increase, it'll leave it there. Yep. Um, and so we did this, it doesn't work every time. And I'm gonna be the first one to just throw myself under the bus here because we have a, uh, a coaching, well, no, Iron Circle member, uh, Justin, he'll, he's probably listening to the show right now. He was closing 80, 90%. And we, these are real numbers. And he was at the specific price point. And I said, dude, you gotta, you gotta raise your rates, man. Mm -hmm. you gotta raise it. We raised it $10 a week and his close rate collapsed. Like I've never seen it collapse before. He went from like 80, 88% to like 60%, 50%. Big change. And I said, I, I guess we made a mistake. Honestly, I, I don't see how $10 is causing people this much financial burden. It was $10 a week, so it was 40 bucks. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like just 10 bucks for the month. But he sold it in weeks, like so. He was selling in weeks. So, so let's just say it went from eighty nine to ninety nine, or fifty nine to sixty nine, whatever those numbers were, and it completely backfired. And he's lost a bunch of people, and all this stuff happened. So I said, we got to go back to your old rates. You just have to at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Now, not to throw Justin on the bus, but I will bring this, and I brought this up to him. Is it a psychology thing around you, you as not sale. valuing your own service $10 more per week? Yeah. He promised me it wasn't, but you have to maybe assume there's something in his head. He loses two sales, loses three sales, loses four sales. Boom, it's in there. I can't sell Oh my it. God, this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as a sales person, man, woman, you have to have thick skin. You got to go for no, go for you got to no. be okay with no's because the more no's equals the more yeses, right? Yep. If you're, if you're prospecting, yep. I guess, if you're, if you're waiting for people coming in, no, that doesn't, <laughs> it's not going to work. 
Hey, Tim Lance here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone out there surviving the day-to-day chaos of the fitness business. You know, you're showing up every day and you got people counting on you. I know it's not easy, but you're doing it, so keep on going. But listen, if you feel like it's getting to be too much and you wanted to get some support so you can get out of the struggle and get into real growth, then I highly recommend that you check out our eight-week ProFit Business Accelerator program at winninggym.com slash grow. Go check it out, sign up, and let's get you on track for some easy wins and get back to growth mode. All right, once again, the link is winninggym.com slash grow. And now back to the show. So Gary Vee said that a long time, you know, a long time ago. He said, what's, you know, what uh, somebody asked him the question, like, what should I be charging? He goes, what people are willing to pay. Like, that's the right answer. That's what people are willing to pay for your services. And that's the only way to find that out is to get to a point of diminishing return, diminishing ability, right? You start to watch your numbers and your closes start to fall off. And when you could take it off of your plate, it's not something that we're doing at the the point of sale. It's literally friction and the price point for Mm -hmm. these consumers. That's where you draw the line and you work your way back a little bit. And that's the right answer. And so it's difficult. I mean, I'm businesses, there's there's a lot of nuances, right? I mean, we, we've talked about it time and time again. I mean, we could run the same campaigns for marketing at two different yeah. gyms, and there's different outcomes and results. The right answer is the one that works for you. Um, but it's always going to come down to a test. It's always got to be tested. And yeah, yeah. If, if, you're, if you're the gym owner who's <clears throat> sitting in the seat and saying, I can't do that, my clients won't. I've said it before on the show, you're the reason in your business it's not growing and you know pushing forward. If you have those self-limiting beliefs and your abilities and what you guys can bring to the table, that's a you problem, not a consumer problem. Yeah. You and your team have to have to address that. But once you've got that stuff figured out, now you test the, the marketplace and you see what the marketplace will sustain. I yeah. mean, we've got clients right now, Tanya that came to our coaching program. She's the only one in her entire area doing what she's doing. The only one. She could probably charge twice what she's charging now and still get business mm-hmm. because she's got something unique. And that alone is that unique, you know, selling property. That's a, uh, uh, it's a benefit over the, her competition no matter what. And so she essentially can almost name her price right now. Mm-hmm. It's an untapped market, right? But well, I would be, I'd be willing to bet or no, I would, I would challenge everybody listening to the show. I would much rather be the highest person in the market than, than the lowest for two reasons. One, our service is valuable. Yep. We're not a big box gym. Um, you're, you're going to, it takes 10 times more clients to make the same amount of money, which means you have 10 times more clients to replace on an average attrition of 5%, 8%. Bottom line is there's no there's no strategic, strategic advantage. advantage for being second most expensive. I knew you were going to get over there. And it's right. There's no there's no advantage to be second most expensive in the market. There's yeah. only an advantage of being the most expensive because of what we just said a second ago about the value and perceived value of price. Be the most expensive. Own it. Over deliver. If you were to double your prices and get that and make sales, Think about how much more value you can deliver. You can pay your coaches more. They're happier. You get better equipment. Um, keep your place nicer, paint it every two months instead of every year, whatever the hell it is, yeah. right? Clean yep. it more often. All the things. Host mm-hmm. events with more money. Serve more people, more marketing. And it just grows. It just, it's just a domino effect. So mm-hmm. think about your price. If you're way under value, you know, charging, figure out how to add value. Don't just throw a number out there. Like, sure. That doesn't make sense either. But like, if you're chronically undercharging, maybe that's your answer, but what else could you do? Give 
over deliver? Is it changing your model? Is it, is it, what is it? You decide, and I'm telling you that. Can you add things into it, whatever? Mm -hmm. And then charge more, you'll be happier, and your clients will think and feel and perceive a higher quality of service because they're paying more. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, what's a book that I always recommend? The Prosperous Coach. It's a really good read. If, you're, if you find yourself in a, in a position where you aren't, like you, you struggle to value what you, what you bring to the table and you fail to, to be able to wrap your head around those, those numbers, I would highly recommend reading The Prosperous Coach. It, does, it just breaks down the psychology of you know, that sale and that position. Um, but it helps it show the value. I mean, I had a coach, one of my first coaches told me every single conversation that's had a sale is made. Right? We're, we're exchanging ideas. Somebody's buying your belief. They're, they're accepting your recommendation. They're, like, mm. that's, it's communication, right? So there is an exchange of value, and that's, a, that's all a sale is. But people build up a sale. and Phobia. Th yeah, like, like just the word itself scares so many people, thinking that they're doing a disservice by asking a consumer or asking our client to pay for the service that we're providing. Again, if you take it back to the solution you're providing for that client, how many of your clients over the years or over, the, over your time training have come to you crying because you've literally got them off of medications? Um, you know, they were pre-diabetic and now, you know, those indicators are starting to go. There are so many massive benefits of what we provide than hot, sweaty bodies in the room. And if you, if you can truly put your belief around the value that you're providing for the consumer, mm -hmm. a couple hundred dollars a week ain't anything yeah. in the grand in the grand scheme of things and so i think that's where you have to start i mean you as the gym owner as the person conducting the sale if your belief isn't that your your stuff is the best you're providing you know massive amount of value for pennies on the dollar you're you're probably not the right one in that seat or change the service to do it so or there you go or raise your raise yeah. your value of the service you're providing yeah yeah if you have any doubts that that product's not going to get the client's results you're you're, you're you're done. And that's, and that's a beautiful ethical <coughs> way of being mm -hmm. able to sell too, right? You're not, you're not oh, sitting a, in that seat a, trying yeah. to, you know, hook somebody to something that ultimately you don't believe is, is really helping them. So that's, that's why I couldn't do the six week challenge. Sure. It really isn't helping them. No. You know, and then you would justify it by, well, they're in here and they're not on the couch. Well, they're going to be on a couch in about seven weeks from now <laughs> because they're going to quit. Anyway, that's it for this episode, guys. Until next show, keep changing lives. We'll see you on the next show. Bye. All right. And thank you for listening to that episode of the Built to Grow podcast, where we help gym owners win. Now, do you want to connect with me and other gym owners online? All you need to do is join our private Facebook group, Business Talk with Fitness Professionals. Just head on over to Facebook and type in Business Talk with Fitness Professionals. And when you do, we're going to give you our 10 marketing strategies, seven-figure gym owners use to win. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Until then, keep building something great.